Welcome to the Careers for Net Zero podcast. I'm Holly Taylor from the Energy Efficiency Council. And I'm Anita Taubberg from the Clean Energy Council. And we're your co-hosts for this special limited series podcast. Our two organisations represent businesses that are at the forefront of decarbonising energy, which accounts for approximately 80% of Australia's emissions. But we're not just interested in how we decarbonise our energy system with renewables, energy efficiency and electrification. We're also interested in how we go beyond clean energy to realise a clean economy. And ensuring that we have an appropriately skilled and sized workforce is essential to achieving that goal. In support of this, the CEC and EEC have recently launched a new initiative, Careers for Net Zero, which exists to showcase the many exciting career opportunities available to those wanting to deliver an equitable, prosperous and net zero Australia. From electricians and engineers to investment analysts and policy advisors, there's a diverse range of roles ready to be filled across the clean economy. Over the coming months, we'll be interviewing 10 everyday Australians with careers across the clean economy, learning more about what they do, how they got there and how you can too. These 10 individuals have diverse backgrounds, experiences and skills. Their career journeys can help us all discover how our knowledge and skills can make a difference. The podcast and wider Careers for Net Zero initiative is underpinned by three goals, growing the clean economy, empowering everyday Aussies to make a difference, and moving beyond ambition to action to ensure that we have a plan for how we'll get there. Achieving net zero emissions is a big job. Whether you're a student, a recent graduate, or an experienced worker, you'll need it. Hopefully this podcast will give you some ideas of how you can get involved. But before we dive in, we want to acknowledge that this podcast is being recorded and produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung and Boomerang peoples of the Kulin Nation in Nam, known to us as Melbourne. The Clean Energy Council and Energy Efficiency Council respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung and Boomerang peoples, as well as all First Nations traditional owners, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For the inaugural episode of the Careers for Net Zero podcast, we're delighted to be joined by Nick Pelusis, Managing Director of 2XE, a leading net zero advisory business headquartered in Adelaide and operating nationally. Welcome, Nick. Thank you very much, Holly. So Nick is also the co-founder of Accelerate Zero, which provides corporate learning and capability development courses and programs on net zero and broader sustainability. And Nick has been kind enough to be one of our champions for the Careers for Net Zero campaign as a net zero business advisor. Nick, we're really excited to unpacking your career journey. But before we do, I think we need our listeners to learn the lingo by unpacking a few key definitions. In great news, explaining these definitions is literally your job as a net zero business advisor. So the Careers for Net Zero initiative is literally about helping everyday Aussies find their role in Australia's clean economy. So off the bat, what does net zero actually mean? Well, Holly, Anita, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, That's a good question. Um, Simply put, Net zero emissions means getting our industrial, global greenhouse gas emissions production to zero by a defined period of time. Getting it to zero meaning reducing those emissions as much as we possibly can through direct reductions, so actually reducing those greenhouse gas emissions through through our activities. And whatever we can't reduce, we uh, look for ways to absorb those greenest gas emissions or sequester those greenest gas emissions through uh, initiatives that that take CO2 directly out of the atmosphere. The reason why you call it net zero is that that the balance of those emissions, you know, emissions produced and emissions sequestered, 
equals zero. But the objective really is to reduce the approximately 42 gigatons of CO2 we produce every year globally and if in industrial for man-made emissions produced every year, trying to get that down to zero as fast as we possibly can to uh, limit our global warming to within 1.5 degrees. And we need to drop those emissions really um, in the next decade uh, to make the biggest extent we possibly can to limit that, that global warming uh, potential. Awesome. So, Nick, effectively what you're saying is net zero emissions is we want to get to zero emissions, but we might not be able to hit zero, so we might need to sequester or remove some carbon. So we're balancing what's in and out and actually, from a mathematical perspective, hitting net zero. That's correct. Perfect. So you've just talked about a few different ways in which we're going to get to net zero, which is a mixture of direct emissions reductions. And by that, I assume you mean renewables and energy efficiency and electrification opportunities. And you've also more broadly talked about indirect activities like carbon removals and and having a circular economy. So those are all words to Anita and I that go, oh, that's, that's a clean economy. What does a clean economy mean to you? Yeah, well, a, a clean economy or a you sort of interchange that with a you know clean and net zero economy is, to me, it's obviously super exciting um, when you think about the level of innovation that's required to achieve that. Like it's it's just like a anyone playing in this field should be super excited to see what that looks like, right? I think about the, the Jetsons and I think about, you know, during the 80s, like what does a net zero or a clean economy future look like? You know, originally I kind of thought like, you know, think back to the Jetsons and flying cars and those kinds of things. But uh, in all seriousness, a clean economy should achieve sort of three key things. And within that, we can unpack that. But the first is a clean economy needs to be 100% powered by renewable energy is the first kind of lens to think about a clean economy. To get that 100% renewable energy, it's a combination of, of naturally renewable energy generation, you know, powered by renewables. Clearly, but but it's not just about power in you know, everything powered by renewable energy. If we just did that without doing anything else, without if we just did um, try to run an economy with 100% renewables without looking at things like efficiency and electrification, the the challenge of doing that would be extremely uh, uh, big, you know, extremely challenging. So you've got to look at a 100% renewable energy kind of future in the context of not just generation, but also efficiency and electrification as well, right? We're trying to eliminate the need for gas. So it's kind of like a, a combination of generation and smart consumption, if that makes sense, right? So an efficiently electrified 100% renewables economy, if you will. And that's it. That's kind of the first thing is think of the future clean economy or the net zero kind of economy as being a First thing is it's got to be powered by 100% renewable energy. That's a function of energy generation and smart energy consumption through efficiency and electrification. The second outcome is that the the economy needs to be operating the way nature does in a circular format, right? We, we cannot hit those net zero targets without rethinking our value chains to becoming value loops, to look at different ways of reintroducing used materials back into the economy through second, third, fourth, fifth life kind of thinking, right? So that idea of operating a circular economy is a second kind of outcome we need to get to if we're going to meet within that 1.5 degree scenario, right? So the first is hydrogen renewable energy. The second is we need to, businesses need to be operating in a circular business model ultimately, right? 
The third outcome is that businesses need to be thinking about their role in regenerating a biosphere and in doing so, removing carbon from the atmosphere uh, to, to hit those those future greenhouse gas emissions reduction and net zero targets. We've got to think about our business models as not just you know doing less bad, but doing more good as far as rege- regenerating, repairing our biosphere and through doing so, removing carbon. So effectively, a, uh, a clean economy is efficiently electrified with 100% renewable energies. It's circular. So we are uh, reducing, reusing and recycling everything so that nothing's going in the bin. And then thirdly, we're very critically thinking about how can we ensure that we're not just doing no harm to our biosphere, but we're regenerating it, both in terms of reducing carbon emissions and indeed uh, improving everything else, like reducing ocean acidification and thinking about getting rid of refrigerant from the ozone layer and, and all those other opportunities, which, you know, that is a win. So that's a really great summary. Thanks, Nick. But this is, this is actually what you do for a job, right? Nick, so you're a net zero business advisor. So can you tell us what, does, what do you do? Who do you do it for and how do you do it? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Nita. I think that's a good question. There's a, there's a whole of a lot to unpack in that. So um, by way of background, I have a engineering and computer science mathematics degree. Now, do you need to have that kind of you know, STEM-based degree to be a net zero business advisor? No, you don't because you ultimately need to be engaging. You know, your role is to, is, to, is to create the opportunity for business to see that they've got a future operating in a net zero economy and show them what the opportunities are. How can they grow and thrive by pursuing net zero, right? So you, you obviously need to understand business, understand the language of business, but it does help to have a technical background. It does help to know how to make things more efficient, more effective. It does help to know how renewable energy works, how battery storage works, how circular economy business models can be applied. You know, it, it helps to know about the laws of physics and how you apply those laws of physics to actually solve the problem for real, not just to talk about it, right? So that background helps me. There are other net zero business advisors uh, that come from all walks of life, you know, whether legal background, accounting background, and their marketing background, and they, they all business background, and they all have their different sort of strengths. But my background is engineering. I've learned the language of business over the you know, need to survive of the last 20 years of working in this field. So, and I love working in business because to me, it's like a, you know, the perfect kind of chess game, right? How do you, how do you convince a business that they can win by pursuing net zero, right? How do you convince a business that that by decoupling their environmental impact, they will unlock the potential to grow and succeed in ways they never thought was possible, right? That for me is like the, the, the thing that gets me up and gets me excited. So what I do in my day-to-day job is, is I work with uh, the CEOs and the executive and the broader management team and operational team of, of our clients, whether they're in agribusiness or in manufacturing or in retail or in tourism or in um, you know, the finance sector even, you know, in different walks of life. And and the first things first is we help them understand what the business case for pursuing net zero emissions is. We help them connect their reason for being as a business with the reasons for pursuing net zero. So those strategic reasons is the first thing we do. We then help them establish a strategy, a way to get there. Okay, so, you know, they're convinced that net zero presents 
some real risks and some real opportunities for their business? Have they developed a compelling business strategy or, or, or pathway to, to achieving that in the way that helps them win? So we help them build that. We help them build the the the, the rigor behind that. The you know the we help them assess all the all the ways to reduce their emissions, whether it's through efficiency or electrification, renewable energy, circular economy. Um, supply chain optimization, the list goes on and on. We help them identify those ways to reduce those emissions. We help identify the then we back it up with numbers. So we go, okay, here's what you can do to reduce emissions, technically speaking, but here's the business case for doing so. Here's how you can make the investment to 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 achieve those targets and do that with a you know really great kind of business outcome. And once that strategy is done and we present that to the executive and and we get their endorsement support, we help them along the way. So we have clients who we've been with them for, you know, eight to 10 years now on and off that some obviously successively over the last sort of six years to seven years on their entire net zero journey. And we're helping them along the way, whether it's through technical support or helping them to buy renewable energy or engaging their staff or, you know, different sort of activities. So our day-to-day role is actually quite diverse, hopefully giving you that kind of picture. It's on one hand, we're talking technical, you know, what does hydrogen look like in the future, for example? On the other hand, we're talking strategic, you know, how do we get the board a clear picture on what their climate-related reporting requirements are going to look like next financial year? Does that make sense? Definitely makes sense. Nick, what's a day in the life of a net zero business advisor? No two days are really the same, which is awesome because the weeks go by really quickly in our world. You know, some days you will be, it might be a heavy kind of desk day, right? You know, you're sort of at, on, a, on Microsoft Teams or Zoom or you're, you know, you're meeting with clients, you're working through projects, you're reviewing, you know, data, you're reviewing you know, business cases or reports. You could be, you know, brainstorming ideas, uh, new innovative ideas with your team around solving a particular problem for a client. You could be um, reviewing, you know, certain papers or certain things that might stimulate thought leadership. You know, so some days you could be quite sort of desk heavy. Other days you'd be getting the red eye on a plane, flying interstate, flying overseas, uh, doing a site visit with a client. It could be in a really, you know, interesting exotic location, whether it's in, you know, in, in the in in the country or or you know, or overseas. Uh, you might be doing a site walkthrough. For, with a particular business to get a deep appreciation for how that business runs, you know, and I think it's an important part of the day-to-day job too is to get a deep appreciation for your client and to understand what their problems are and how you could realistically get this business to net zero emissions, right? So, you know, some days are out there, you know, it could be in the middle of nowhere, could be in, you know, metropolitan part of, you know, say Sydney and Melbourne, for example, meeting with these clients, doing site walkthroughs, getting appreciation for things. Other days it could be running, you know, workshops with groups of people um, or doing presentations to boards, you know, on level 30 of a, of, you know, of a high-rise building in one of the metro areas, you know. So I think it can, it can be quite colourful. And obviously other days might be, um, you know, might be, uh, you know, working from home, for example. I think the being a net zero business advisor gives you so much colour because you kind of look in our world, one of the, one of the things we do when we, when we look at our clients is is we always look for colour. We always look for colour and diversity. I mean, no two days are really the same because in, in large respect, Anita, we, we can pick and choose what we want to do and create that colour. And so, you know, that's um, – and especially I think those who 
those who um and I, you know having watched my wife you know work work through you know uh three kids and those kinds of things as well I mean especially those who are you know who are raising young families and those things too not just sort of the graduates but those who want that career change you know have have you know had a child or more and and want a changing career I mean being a net zero business advisor can offer potentially a lot of flexibility in that regard too it's a pretty diverse role Nick can you give us a bit of a sense of what do you enjoy about being a net zero business advisor? Oh, the challenge. It's the challenge. There, there, there are a few ways Few ways I think about it. Like on one hand, I wake up thinking what an exciting field to work in. I mean, our field is projected to grow, and this is very conservative numbers, but our field of net zero business advisors and consulting services is projected to grow over 30% year on year for the next eight to 10 years, right? So that in itself is super exciting. Um we um so it's being part of a growing field you know where you you know we're increasingly popular obviously is exciting the most exciting thing for me though is it's like the ultimate problem to solve I, like me i'm an inherent problem solver that's that's why i got into engineering in the first place um in some respects it's kind of why i left the traditional engineering environment because you know there wasn't enough variables there wasn't enough complexity when you're trying to convince people to invest in this future that's somewhat unknown in some respects. That to me is like the ultimate problem to solve. Like how do you help a business grow and thrive in a way they never thought was possible? There's so many variables to doing that. It's it can be such an interesting, complicated environment. It it definitely, it definitely um, keeps you on your A game. So for me, it's the ultimate problem to solve. That's super motivating. But it's also some of the most important work I think I'll ever do. I mean, imagine committing your career to something that solves the, some of the world's biggest problems. I mean, who wouldn't want to contribute their entire career to that? So imagine doing that while earning a good living and working with really cool companies. I mean, I never thought I would be working And some of our clients. We work for um, one of our clients is a company called Discovery Holiday Parks. Now, they're a holiday parks company. They, they're, they have um, – they're growing – quite rapidly. I never thought I'd ever be working for a holiday park company. And at first I'm like, yeah, you know, it's, you know, not, 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 not the most difficult kind of environment. But when you think about how quickly they're growing, the places they have their resorts and holiday parks, you know, some of the most beautiful parts of Australia, our scenery changes every day, you know, and so we have a lot of colour in what we do. That's, um, that's really fascinating. Uh, I, I guess the irony is that some of the most important players that you could be working with are actually the ones that are having the biggest impact on emissions and the environment and the ones you sort of want to really make a difference with, but at the same time you get the opportunity to work with a lot of organisations that are really trying to make a difference themselves. You said your your background was in engineering, sort of computer science and maths, a very technical background. Is that always what you've enjoyed when you were at school? What, what was your passion when you were at school? What led you into this career? Funnily enough, my, one of my passions was drama. So you know, <laughs> imagine being in a uh, a small the small country town of Wireless, South Australia, playing the role of Romeo and Romeo and Juliet in Shakespeare. I would love it if we had some footage in, of in this. Nick. You've got to find this. I wish I had the footage. It was, it was, um, yeah. Actually, I really enjoyed that. But uh, I've enjoyed the 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 physics and the mathematics side of things because. I mean, you're dealing with the natural order of things, right? And 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 if you can learn those principles, 
then and learn them well you know the laws of physics and other you know the laws of you know simple sort of natural laws of mathematics and those kind of things then then you have the ability to kind of solve problems quickly pick things up pick things up connect them you know so that for me was always an area of interest um what i didn't realize i had an equal if not more interest in is people and in the complexity around that and um, uh, as a net zero business advisor, you just can't talk to a, the data or to a page and say, here's what you should do. There are people who, you know, justifiably so are concerned about, you know, their business, concerned about the future of the business. And they're just trying to, you know, make ends meet, let alone, you know, get to net zero. And there's a lot of, um, you know, say inherent sort of concern or fear. And your job as a net zero business advisor is to, you know, tune into where they're at and bring them along a, a, a process or a journey of, of, you know, seeing that there's an opportunity in this space too. So, so that kind of um, uh, respect for the human psyche <laughs> um, has been really interesting and surprising for me. I, like, I thought I'd just be like just talking to data, like in the technical side of things as an engineer, but as an engineer business advisor, you need to convince people. So you need to be appreciative of who they are and what they stand for and what their nuances are and what kind of personality type there are and and adapt uh, uh, adapt quickly depending on who you're dealing with. So, Nick, you're basically saying when you were younger, you had these, I'm not going to say opposing, but you might say somewhat conflicting interests when you're thinking about what are you going to do after school in that you were really interested in that STEM space but you're also going, well, I like performing and I like engaging and influencing people and getting them excited and thinking about that psychology. You obviously made the choice to then study the STEM uh, subjects but then, you know, charted a path for your career that enabled you to draw on both interests and both skill sets. If you were talking to yourself when you were 17 years old and thinking about what you were going to do at uni or, or not at uni if you weren't for people that not thinking about it but going, what's the future? What's some advice that you would have liked to have received to enable people to think, hmm, I can explore both sides of, of my interests? Yeah, that's a good question. Speaking to my 17-year-old self, I would have said, think big. You know, I think there's there's a lot of us, I mean, especially at that time, you know, you're in year 12, you're, you know, you're, you're, you know the hard work is done and in year 12, it's like, well, no. Um, but but there's a lot of pressure, I think, put on on in year in year twelve about you need you need to make a decision about what your future needs to look like. And I think the, the world is so rapidly evolving, and and you know naturally so that it's I think it's you know in some respects a bit unfair just to go I want to do this when I grow up because everyone said I need to come up with a with a career choice right at the age of seventeen. So I'd think I'd say think big, but I would prioritize exposing yourself to as much challenge and complexity as possible because solving some of the world's toughest problems requires a, the type of thinking that thrives in complexity and in uncertainty, right? You need to be comfortable, especially when you're as a net zero business advisor, you need to be comfortable with uncertainty, which means you, you need to be comfortable with learning things quickly and not knowing <laughs> what the outcome's going to be. So, you know, I would definitely encourage those that are that are contemplating where they want to go to next, whether it's in university or a trade or those things, 
your brain is young and malleable at that age. And I would encourage throwing as much as you uh, throwing as yourself in, into as much as many difficult things as in as complex things as possible to prepare yourself for 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 um, your capabilities for kind of solving these problems at a at a at, you know in a in a meaningful way. Like, and as an example, like I think our engineering cohort was maybe the second cohort or third cohort that maybe the second cohort that University of Adelaide did for mechatronics engineering, right? So it was a new degree at the time. And at the time, they just didn't have a defined curriculum. So they threw that, they threw us in everyone else's, every other disciplines. So I think by the time we were done, over five years and two degrees, we did like 93 exams, I think it was. Something disgusting. Like in the average, like the, each exam was worth 70, 80% on average kind of thing. Just yeah. reiterating that point earlier, Nick, that you made that you don't have to have studied engineering to become a net zero no. business <laughs> advisor. There's other pathways in. You don't have to do 93 <laughs> exams. Just just look for, look for the, look for the, this sounds maybe a bit, you know, too high level, but look for the beauty and complexity. You know, our, our natural world is inherently complex. It isn't just about carbon, right? Like to achieve a sustainable future, to work within the one, the, the single planet that we have at the moment, as we currently, as we know, as we are currently aware of, and and we're growing as an economy, as a population, we need to operate within this single planet, right? Like there is a natural order that the world will hold us to hold us to. If we don't hold it to ourselves, the world will will regulate its the earth will regulate itself, and and we're going to have to operate within what those consequences will look like. So. It helps to appreciate the beauty and the complexity around the way the earth works. And you can't really understand like things like systems thinking and those things are really critical skill sets um, that I encourage young people to kind of get their head around. I think it's fair to say that when you were 17, the job of net zero business advisor did not exist. So what was yeah. what was the first job for Nick? Where did you first go? Well, it, it actually was my, my first job was in sustainability, but it was back in 2003 and it was... You know, being a founding member of a non, you know, a fringe non-for-profit organisation called the Natural Edge Project, and you know, we got to sit at the feet of you know, really people who are kind of considered global thinkers on energy, like Amory Lovins and Hunter Lovins and Paul Hawken and Janine Benyus. And so these are like you know, energy nerds. Uh, I wouldn't expect yeah. our uh, listeners to be familiar with these people, but if you're yeah. an energy efficiency geek like Nick or myself, these are like the godfathers of the sector. Yeah. So Nick we was just, just having a good time, time back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but it's but at the time it was it was, you know, especially being based out of South Australia as a mechatronics engineer, you were either going into defense or going into car manufacturing. That was the pathway and and you know, I think it was in my fourth year at the time and I'm like that just doesn't seem inspirational to me. You know, I didn't know, didn't know what was possible. That's why I started doing my own research and that's where I stumbled across, you know, this kind of, you know, sustainable development kind of field, got to learn about what engineers could do to play in that role and the rest is history. So at that time there was no sustainability, you know, open for a sustainability manager role or a net zero advisor role or there was none of that. That did not exist. At best it was a fringe topic that was occupied by certain political factions and um, you know, you'd either if you're part if you're interested in that field, you just be branded as that part of the, you know, that part of the the, the side of politics, right? Um, so yeah, the game's changed now. It's exciting field for young people now. I think. 
Nick, we've kind of unpacked, you know, what you studied back in the day, but, you know, you happen to, you co-founded an organisation which is all about continuing professional development for people to support them with reducing the emissions of their own businesses. You yourself have undertaken continuing professional development opportunities. Can you give us a bit of a sense of, you know, what training you've enjoyed doing since you've been working? Yeah, of course. And, you know, I will um, unashamedly put out a, um, a, a plug to the Energy Efficiency Council's Energy Management Systems certification role. <laughs> unashamedly, no, because I think learning systems is extremely important. And I think a course like that provides you with, you know, the, 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 the principles of what, of what energy management looks like done well how you systemize that in a, in a company. But then part of that process is how do you engage the executive, how to engage management, what kind of tactics do you use to get them on side, build business cases, pitch, you know, the role of energy management system, those kinds of things. So that kind of course I think has been super influential for me as a, you know, as a, as a, you know, career professional in this field. You know, as other courses like, you know, just the the Climate Active Certification, you know, learning just about their process and picking up on that. Um, those kinds of those kinds of things, I think, really um, are really beneficial. As a net zero business advisor, I think it does help to have things like a director's course accreditation through AICD and those kinds of things, speaking at the board level, which, you know, formally I'll be uh, – formally I'll be uh, – I'll be going through that process um, – you know, uh, early next year, um, formally, but, you know, I've spent the better part of the last decade, as I said, picking up these skills just out of the, the need to it's like do or die. <laughs> so I'm just glad that all these courses exist now because a lot of them didn't exist, you know, when we started the company. I'm glad you brought up the importance of these matters at the board level. And you also mentioned the issue of politics a little bit earlier. What would you say to people who might be interested in following your career path but are concerned that the government or governments of the day might influence to what level you might have work coming your way or how much activity there is? Yeah, I, I think I, I um, personally speaking, I've learnt, I learnt a long time ago not to rely on which way the political winds are going. I, I guess I ultimately had... Um, not just faith, because that sounds like I had no data behind it. Like I had pretty high levels of confidence that, irrespective of which political side of the aisle is in is in power, there is a there is a scientific basis behind why we are doing what we are doing, and there's also a business case, a compelling business case. There's a reason why renewable energy has, is outstripping non-renewable energy in terms of investment that has nothing to do with a you know manipulating mechanisms just got to do with the fact that renewable energy is just so much more compelling for so many reasons financially to any business even those who you know think don't believe in climate change that doesn't bother me at all because the business case is compelling right so and anyone who is in business who doesn't see this as a business opportunity is it is um, I, I just question their mental faculty faculties in running a business, if I'm being honest. And that's not being being that's not me being rude. That's just me looking at it from a business perspective, going, can you run a business or not? Do you see this as an opportunity or not? So, so if I look at it from that perspective, business operates in the language of business, 
politics oper- operate off the language of politics, but both sides of politics, left or right, are trying to tune into what business needs and wants. And so ultimately, don't get distracted by what politics is. I mean, even in the last couple of years, like if you've just seen, seen historically, like some of the more progressive state governments have been in, you know, the right side of politics, for example, on this issue in recent times, right? Um, then obviously you've got the left side that had been as well. So, you know, I look at it from a positive angle too. So I, I don't get caught up in what politics does at the moment. I just focus on what what, what business, the language of business, and that's that's and that I think is enough. Well, this is increasingly a business issue. It's about um, profitability. It's about sustainability. It's about continuing to exist on this planet. Nick, you seem pretty well-rounded and seem like you'd make a really great mentor for up-and-comers that are thinking about, you know, becoming net zero business advisors. Along your own personal career journey, do you have a nugget of advice that someone gave you that really resonated and made you feel like, yep, I've made the right choice, this career is really valuable? Has anybody given you any good advice along the way? Yeah, lots have, I think, without them realising it. You know, I think some of the best advice I've got as a business advisor has come from some of the, you probably say, the most hard-nosed business people at the boardroom level or at the executive level going, hey, I run a business. Don't give me this fluffy shit. Give it to me straight. What's the, you know, don't, don't, don't do the song and dance. Just give it to me straight kind of thing. So some of that experience and then, you know, I've since become quite good friends with a number of those folks, right? They've, they've, they've really shaped me, I think, as a professional, just that kind of like, you know, and in that, I think, I guess what I've discovered is this idea of, um, what I like, what I like to sort of say as, um, well prepared optimism. So when you walk into, you know, a CEO's room or a boardroom and and an office in a boardroom and, and they're, they're asking you, okay, there's net zero stuff, what of it? What's the risk or the opportunity? Do I need to do anything now or later? What And what what if I just waited for everyone else to, you know, do things and, you know, kind of, and is that just good enough kind of thing? Like, you know, you've got to be prepared for the fact that people are going to ask you all the t- all the tough questions. but But people also want from you, an optimistic picture to go. Tell me it's possible. Tell me I can do something. I can I can act on something. I, re- I can reduce my emissions, and it can leave my business better off. Tell me there's a good side to this, right? So you've got to go in there positive and optimistic, but you've got to back it up with data. You've got to back it up with 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 evidence, you know, with examples. Because if you don't, and if someone starts asking you curveballs, curveball questions, and you don't have a good answer for it you will um the conversation will go backwards very quickly and nothing will happen so i think that idea of well-prepared optimism is something i think out of all that advice and all that experience over the last 10 years has really kind of kind of kind of helped i think that's really useful to think about particularly for younger listeners and you know of course careers for net zero is focusing on supporting people whether they're 15 or 55 of getting a career in the clean economy but critically for those younger listeners you know climate doom and gloom is something that we have been seeing 
on our, you know, on our news channels for quite some time, but it's really starting to hit home. But reiterating that optimism is what connects with businesses, demonstrating the the opportunity. It's not just a case of, oh, we need to reduce our emissions so that uh, the the sea stops rising. It's actually, we need to reduce our emissions because you can make money by doing it. And that's a really good opportunity for businesses and a really good way way to frame everything up. I agree. I mean, you know, I can understand how um, depressing that picture can look like, right? Like, you know, having sort of lived with it for, for such a long time, being in the field for such a long time. But but the thing is, try try thinking about that, that you know, what that future would look like, but then there not being any any jobs on the market, any interest by businesses, right? Like imagine being in that world. Now we're in a world where the market is moving rapidly. The market wants solutions to this, right? So there's there's good reason to be excited. You can't ignore the, the scale of the problem, of course, but there's really good reasons to be excited. And at the end of the day, you just got to put the mouth guard in and get to work. Well, until we have a cloning machine to make more of you, we need more net zero business advisors. So give us your your 50-word pitch. Why is your career as a net zero business advisor a good career choice? What's the best thing about it? Why should anyone else follow that pathway? Um, 50-word pitch. You've now got me on the spot here. <laughs> so if I was ever to walk into a room with a bunch of candidates, to join our company, right? I'll, my first word, my first sort of sentence is, who wants to be part of the next industrial revolution? Because that's what this is about. You know, it is about showing um, your role as a, as a zero business advisor is about showing businesses that they can, they can be part of this next industrial revolution and win out of it, right? So you can be part of the next industrial revolution. The scenery changes. So it's always colourful and exciting and different and if you're someone who gets bored easily then our field is the place to be because there's just too much to get your head around to really ever get bored and um we're in massive demand so if you're interested in a career that has substantial growth potential then not just in demand but also in skills the set of skills you have to build build as a net zero business advisor in some respects, kind of makes you the ultimate professional because you've got to learn the technical, you've got to learn the commercial, you've got to learn about engaging with staff and stakeholders and people, you've got to learn about data and how you sort of approach that, about project management. You, you, the set of skills you can build, I mean, you can kind of go anywhere from there. Nick, this has been a really great discussion. So thanks so much for joining us and indeed encouraging all of us whether we're wanting to become net zero business advisors or indeed just have a career across the clean economy to think big, to be part of the next industrial revolution and indeed to use our people skills to get the job done. So really big thanks for coming along, Nick, and and thank you for continuing to do what you do. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Anita. It's been a pleasure. The Careers for Net Zero podcast is proudly brought to you by the Clean Energy Council and the Energy Efficiency Council. You can learn more about Nick, how you can become a net zero business advisor and other clean economy careers at careersfornetzero.org.au. 
And you can get the latest Careers for Net Zero episodes delivered directly to you by subscribing to Careers for Net Zero on your preferred audio provider and by following our socials at Careers for Net Zero on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. If you want to give us any feedback or ask any questions, reach out to the team via email at careersfornetzero at eec.org.au. Tune in next week for a discussion with another cracking human being about their clean economy career journey and how Careers for Net Zero can help you find your role in Australia's clean economy. 